A lot of focus on the cricket on the weekend, but it was an amazing weekend of racing across the harness, across the dogs, and across the thoroughbreds with Damien Oliver, Scalacci, of course, in the Phoenix, and also the Inter-Dominion. Gareth Hall's here to wrap it all up for me. Just a couple off the 40 wings tent, because I reckon Gareth will uh, help join in this topic as well. We're talking about slow burns today, Gareth, off the back yes. of Nathan Lyons. Been a slow burn for many people. As I said, my brother-in-law still doesn't rate him. Sent me a text yesterday. Well done, Nathan. Now retire. Okay, that's he a bit hard. Doesn't isn't think it? he spins us to victory enough on uh, day five picks. Uh, one here, Finn McGuinness has been a slow burn for Hawthorne. Didn't look like he'd made it, but has grown into the league's number one tag to the point where Nick Dacos will probably burst into tears okay. when Finn runs to him at the opening bouncing gather round next year. Had his measure in the preseason game last year and then annihilated him in Hawthorne's comprehensive win against the Pies last season. Also, Dream. Farewells off the back of Ollie. John Longmire's 200th and final game was the 1999 Grand Finals. A bit of ruck relief off the bench. Still sweet for horse, but Pagan probably only gave him 20, 30 minutes that day from Dom. And Dom, you were right. Shane Crawford was drafted in 1991 with pick 13, not 1992. Who's been a a slow burn for you? Um, In the horsing terms, I think like a Mr. Brightside. Mm -hmm. He was second in a Cox Plate, but he's never really talked about as the best horse in the country. And he gets under everybody's guard. And he probably doesn't get the respect that he deserves. A bit like, say, Nathan Lyon. Like Nathan Lyon, when you have a look at his record, it's quite, it's impressive, isn't it? It's unbelievable. test wickets. And I think we lost him, <laughs> excuse me, um, that Ashes series. We Ruth missed out. him yep. big time. No, well, let's let you get your breath back there. But we, know, we notice the English don't talk about that too often. They just talk about the weather and how unlucky they were. <laughs> and some of the players they, they had me. missing early. But we did have... One of the greatest spinners of all time. We, we played two tests with him and we won two yes. tests. Do we need to go to a break? Are you okay? I don't know. I think I'm okay. I don't know. I swallowed a fly or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I swallowed a fly in the studio, would you believe? Do you want to step out and get yourself right or you're okay? I'm right now. He's I'm okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. So there's a couple of slow burns. Outside of Ollie, what other great farewell can you remember in sport? Um, one of your mates is coming through pretty strongly. What, Shane Crawford? No, nah, another one of your mates in the football realm. More Joel recent. Selwood. Yeah. Joel yep. Howard's coming through pretty strong. But it was different. Ollie just delivered a miracle there. Ollie, like, it was like if you talk footballing terms, he got the Norm Smith and kicked six goals after not getting a kick in the first half. So on Saturday, he looked in all sorts of trouble. Mm. He had some nice rides. He managed a, a placing. But then I thought, geez, he's in trouble, Ollie, here. And then a horse by the name of Divine Belief was his first ever mm-hmm. winner, which was fitting in a way. It was very. And then Magnificent Andy won for his great mate, SJ Miller. And then, of course, his ride on Munamek was nearly the best ride that I've seen for quite some time. It was a miracle ride. It was so brave. He took the shortcuts. He got the split. It was astonishing to see what he did. It was Oli at his very best, and only Oli could have done what he did. It was like you couldn't have scripted it better. And he didn't go to the outside either no. and make that run and storm down the outside. He had to weave his magic. And then he had to say, okay, well, I think this might happen. And he needed a little bit of luck and he got that luck, but it was an extraordinary ride for his final, final ride. Only the greatest of all time could have done that. And Where did he come is. from? I mean, your mate, uh, Darren McCauley was calling. It was a, it was a brilliant call, but it, yep. it looked over for all money. Well, and then he just like a, It's like a slingshot. Yeah, he didn't see him. So he had the winner ripcord coming out wide and Ollie, and we had Darren McCauley on Giddy Up this morning and, and Macca said that, he didn't see him to very late because Comfort Me was covering him up. And then he saw him and then picked him up 
with a hundred to go. And he said, he tells a great story that Damien Oliver um, spotted him in the committee room after the races. And he said to Macca, I nearly got you. You nearly <laughs> missed me. And I think Ollie got, he, that's how good of a ride it was when the race caller doesn't really that's pick right. you up to the hundred meter mark. And I think Ollie knew that. Um, so yeah. And, and everything that he's been through Ollie as well and to do what he did was, was amazing. And only Ollie, as I said, could have done it. And he knew it was a big stage. He knew everybody was watching him. And I think it's all about memory sometimes in life. And when I talk to people who've been going, like Darren McCauley said, he's been going to the races there at Ascot for more than three decades. Maybe Kingston Town coming in 1982 yep. was big for WA racing, but he said he's never seen anything like it. Yeah, the crowd was unbelievable, yep. wasn't it? What, on a, what, what a moment uh, it was. Hey, just on uh, Perth, so Ascot, uh, great yes. crowd on the weekend. You, you've lived in Perth, you know the heartbeat of that city and how it all works. Um, what did you make of the crowd at the cricket over the test match? Um, they love the Scorchers. They get out there supporting do. the Scorchers. I don't know. It's a, it Are we was, being hard on Western Australians or do they need to lift their game a bit? Probably maybe lift it just a little bit. Mm. But do, do people go to test cricket anymore? And would like, if you're in Melbourne and the test was on the same time as the Perth test was on. It's a good question. We are talking about that about this morning. Yeah, what I don't would know. you get for day one if that was same date. I don't know. About 35? Maybe. 20. Which is relative. I mean, yeah, there's a lot more people here than Perth. I don't know. I wouldn't go. I don't think watching Pakistan really excites me. Mm. Um, Boxing Day is different because it's more about the event than it course. is the cricket. Of in course. A way. And like, it's, that's tough on Perth. If you've got a annual would, test that starts the same day, whether it's Boxing Day, the New Year's test, it makes it they easier. They would get forty to 50,000 if they had a Boxing Day test, Perth. Mm. I think most capital cities yeah, I would. think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Boxing day is like cricket. It's that time of the year. And that's why the Big Bash is so successful at that time of the year, because all we want to do is play backyard cricket or we want to watch cricket. And unfortunately for Perth is that like, there was more people at Ascot watching mm. Damien Oliver than there was at the cricket. But if England were playing and there was only that amount of people there, then you'd be concerned. But unfortunately for cricket, I don't know how they do it or change it around in test cricket. If it's not India or England, yeah, it's tough. The, the care factor is not that high. Yeah, next year will be interesting because it is India here for five tests, so uh, the crowd should be bigger. Tell us, talk us through. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the Phoenix and a lot of talk yeah. about Ollie. So maybe the Inter Dominion a little bit has been lost. Oh uh, well, depending on where you were, like the Inter Dominion is a race that I think everybody wants to win in harness racing still, and harness racing it's the it's the most marketable race because I think if you went to the did the pub test and you said what's the biggest harness racing event, I think everyone yep. would say the Inter Dominion. Now the problem with the Inter Dominion over the years it's been shared by different states, um, and no state really wants to own it. And unfortunately, why is that? I don't know because they have to keep on putting money into it, which is a little unfortunate. Like I think that Harness Racing Queensland or Racing Queensland wanted to put more money into this year's series, but because the other states wouldn't let them because it's a shared type of series, they weren't allowed to do it. So I think everybody needs to put their egos aside and say, okay, then if Queensland want to hold the Inter Dominion and make it a million dollars, then let them do that and put it in the middle part of the year, not in the summer part. Um, the summer period, and then change the that the landscape that way with the Inter Dominion, so to make it the number one race again, because I think that the race and the sport does, needs that, and I think it deserves that. Leap to Fame could be one of our best paces that we're seeing for quite some time. He was extraordinary through the series, undefeated and and smashed the world record. So 
he's a he's a super horse. And then you've got to like just believes also a very, very good horse. And he was unbeaten throughout the Trotters series. And um, for Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars. And he competed in the Elite Lot, which is the best harness racing event in the world in Sweden in the middle part of the year. And he's just come back a better horse. So there's some great storylines. Our best two horses won it from a pacing and trotters perspective. So I thought it was terrific. And then the, the Phoenix, did you, did you hear about that story? Dennis? Unbelievable. What a story. The, 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 the big build up around the race was around that story. Yes. And then it turned out perfectly. So the Phoenix wins because Greyhound Racing Victoria and the Melbourne Racing Club needed to innovate. And the Melbourne Cup's the time-honoured race. Yep. But the Phoenix is the race that has captured the imagination of so the... it's like sp- the Everest. Correct. Of the sporting public outside of the Greyhound bubble. And so they had stories on free-to-wear networks. We both worked at Channel 9 and mm. Channel 7, etc. It's hard to get a Greyhound story. Very hard. But they were able to do that this year. Um, well, She's Fast was a great story. Mm. She... Um, was looking for three phoenixes on the trot. Tal Genie's Greyhound Scalacci was the story of the week. And he was the outsider Scalacci. No one thought he could win. Apart from Talji and Ladbrokes, who had the <laughs> who were the first to pick the um Talji as their slot holder in the, the in that race. And Talji um is a pizza owner. He's got two dogs in work. This was life changing for him. And Scalacci that was the most successful Group One horse that Damien Oliver rode yes. to six Group One victories. Yes. After what Ollie did in say the the that um, the the Damien Oliver Gold Rush about an hour before, and then Scalacci goes and and wins that race. It was just that's a weird way how that universe works. But it was a story and a half, and his emotion after the race is what racing's all about. So how so much would he have bought that dog for? Um, he would have bred it. Wouldn't have cost him much. About probably five or six thousand. Wow. That's life changing, yep. isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And he was back at work as he's got a pizza shop. Caram Downs. Downs. Yep. And I heard a few of the listeners on um, calling into the breakfast show saying they, they went to Caram Downs. for business. Yeah. And got a pizza from Talji. And um, so Talji was back working yesterday, um, which was terrific. And then he also, he also was still delivering pizzas to everybody. So he's a hard worker. So the... The victory in the Phoenix and the extra cash going to his bank account definitely hasn't changed him. Uh, brilliant stuff. So that was the weekend. Now, I yes. after the news, I want to just deep dive into the year in racing in 2024. I'm going to start by asking you, who went put their head on the pillow December 31st? Who's had a great year in racing? Give me a horse, give me a trainer, okay. and give me a jockey. We'll do that after the news with Vanessa Gibson. Blood at the 200 took the front. Romantic Warrior the outside. Alligator Blood at the 100. Romantic Warrior, Mr. Brightside. Still Alligator Blood. Mr. Brightside coming at it with Romantic Warrior. It's a photo finish. Mr. Brightside or Romantic Warrior. It's been out of fight. 100 metres to go. Two or three lengths in front. Coming away from Shiraz and also Sulcum. Without a fight, Mark Barra, a Melbourne Cup champion, wins it by two lengths. Uh, that was the finish of the big three in Melbourne, the Caulfield Cup, the Cox Plate, and the Melbourne Cups. We're, re- we're reviewing the year in racing with Gareth Hall. So, Gareth, end of the year, only you know, a few weeks away from the end. You put your head on the pillow. Yes. Who in racing will just go, yeah, that was a good year for me. Another great year. Well, there's some of the participants speak for themselves at the top of the premierships when it comes to the jockeys and trainers. I think J-Max had another wonderful year. 
He produced the goods during the Melbourne Carnival once again. He won a Cox Plate. He won those two big classics during that Flemington Carnival. I think Gay Wardhouse and Adrian Bott have had a, s- a sensational year, another year to remember. Mara Eustace have been prominent. Um, Chris Waller's been at his um, best once again as well. So he's lived up to the heights that we expect from him year in, year out. So there's been so many terrific performances from that point of view. Um, there's a couple of young trainers coming through the ranks. Great to see Sam Freeman yep. along with his father, Anthony. But Sam winning a, a Group 1, winning the Melbourne Cup and the and the Caulfield Cup with without a fight. It was probably nearly the find of the year without a fight, talking about great years. Mm-hmm. I think him and Imperatrice, Imperatrice is the sprinter that dominated yep. the Melbourne feature sprints. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see her um, in the Everest. But I still think that she was definitely one of the fines. And I think Joe Pride had a year and a half as well. We think about it, winning the Everest and also the Stradbroke. So I think those are the mm. participants and horses that had the great years. So just on James McDonald, yeah. he's 31 years of age. Correct. Ollie's retired on the weekend at yep. 51 years of age. I don't think you can argue at the moment Ollie's the greatest jockey we've ever produced. Yeah, I think that's Can we easy. argue that? Yeah. By yeah. the end, could James... Usurp him? Well, I think that James is at the moment that he's just he's he's along with Ryan Moore, he's probably the the most jockey that's in demand on a world stage. Like they love him in Hong Kong and he could stay in Hong Kong if he wanted to. Um obviously he's got the like in, in these big races, he's got the pick of the big rides. Like Spywire, for instance, mm-hmm. in a Magic Millions classic, they all want J Mac. So every connection that they sit around the table most of the time anyway, they say, if we can get J-Mac, let's get him, and then we'll work around James McDonald. So he's going to have the success, and he's going to continue to – like he's close to 80 Group 1 winners, and he's probably averaging between, say, 5 to 12 Group 1s for the year. If he keeps up that record, he's going to surpass Ollie pretty quickly before he's 40, if the way that he's going. Now, Ollie was dominating probably at James's age as well. That's 20 years yep. ago. So a little bit before our time, Jules. Maybe maybe your time. I was waiting um, for that. Maybe my time, not your time, I'm trying to say. We're pretty close so, in age, really. So Ollie was, Ollie like, he continued like to, to, to ride winners throughout his 40s. Um, and I still remember the day, one of my great days on the racetrack was at Flemington on Derby Day a few years back when Ollie and Macca went head to head. Yeah. Um, and they both rode multiple Group One winners, and that was like the old and the new, basically. And it was it was great to watch. And I think James McDonald went on to com, uh, complete and break the record for the most winners in a week there at Flemington, um, defeating who did he defeat? Uh, Brett Preble's record mm-hmm. on that occasion. Yeah. So I don't know. If you're a betting man, you would say Macca probably at the end of his career will be the goat, but. Ollie's six or seven lengths in front, and Mac has still got a little bit of work to do, but he's quickly, quickly catching up to. So, him. as you were saying there, Ollie's best was probably around his early thirties, like James yep. McDonald is now. Over the history of Australian racing, it's a bit of a question without notice, but have many jockeys had the best part of their career forty plus? Or was it tend to be um, twenty five to sort of maybe, forty range? I reckon they they. Their best years as a jockey are between 30 and 50, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, Huey Bowman really had his decade between 30 and 40 was his... Uh, obviously, Wings helped him out. That helps. But that's when he was at his very best. I think Blake Shin's never ridden better, and he's in his early 30s Bossy? at the moment. How old was Bossy? Bossy went through to his mid-40s. Mm. Um, Ollie was very good in his 40s. Mm. So, I reckon 40s around their sweet spot, in a okay. way. Um, Nashville Wheeler's riding probably one of the best jockeys in the land. He's closing on 50. 
Frankie Dettori had his best ever year at 51, mm. 52. And then he's, he was going to retire. Then he didn't retire. So Why would he? I reckon they can go to mid-50, like I think 55 sees them out. But between 30 and 55, that's when they're at their best. What about racing eyes. broadcasters? When When's their zenith? Um, are you in yours now or are you no, passed? Probably. Or is it coming up? Probably still coming, to be brutally honest. <laughs> um, when you have a look at uh, Greg Miles and Darren McCauley, like Cobb's nearly 60. He's, he's calling in superb form. Gee, Waitley's never been better. No. Matty Hills in He's a young form. man. He's only 43 or something. I young. Yeah, yep. correct. Um, George Moore and Roy Higgins, a couple of text messages coming through. Like I never got to see those great jockeys and they're different. It's a different ball game this year, these days compared to say when Moore and, and Higgins were riding, but I mean, it's hard to compare different eras, but mm. I think Ollie at the moment, I think when you listen to some of the jockeys didn't ride in his generation and now the jockeys that competed against him and even the younger jockeys, they all tweeted out. And they all comment that he's the greatest. So he's the goat. We're in different sports, the debate about Ablett Jr. Yeah, or. Um, there's really no debate Lee at the Matthews, moment. yeah, et cetera. Mm. Um, yeah. Is it Jordan or LeBron? But for racing, it's pretty. Yeah, Ollie would win 99% of the debates. Mm. Yeah. Okay, after the break, this is mornings for Hyundai. The Hyundai 2023 SUV event is on now and Host Plus as well. I'm going to ask you uh, who's had a bit of a nightmare year in racing? And then we'll just. Go forward to 2024. Two questions. Who should we be looking out for? That could be a, a horse on the rise, a jockey mm. on the rise, a trainer on the rise. And then it's tough. To, there's so many stories in racing. But if you just forecast what will be the big story in racing in 2024, we'll take a break and we'll just digest the fact that Gareth Hall thinks he's only getting better. <laughs> Mornings on SEM. Welcome back to the show. Sam Hargraves will be in the chair from 12 till 3 Sammy. this afternoon. Slam I and Sam. I saw him at the pub there in the Rising Sun. How was he? Geez, he gets a little leave time for a stay-at-home dad these days. <laughs> what was he wearing? Because sometimes uh, he's got he's got an interesting fashion sense, Yeah, Sam. I think he had shorts. I don't know what he was Some wearing. Some sort of colourful outfit. He, he, did fit in, he did fit in nicely at the Rising Sun, but, um, yeah, he was with his Bendigo boys, I think. Oh, boy. Just living up. Um, living up life on a Friday night. Ah, good on him. Uh, now, we've spoken the positive in the year of racing so 2023. Wife works all week and then has to look after the kids oh, while he goes he's out to the He's got a good park. deal, hasn't he? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how he gets that through to the keeper. Uh, once December 31, yep. head on the pillow. Who goes, so glad, great, that, glad that year's over. So what do we have? A great year. We've already mentioned that. So I think without a fight, Sam Friedman, Anthony yep. Friedman, when you win a cool field, Melbourne Cup, Double, um, you're happy with yourself. Mm -hmm. J-Mac after winning another Cox Plate and basically training Romantic Warrior. I think Gay and Adrian, uh, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bond yep. have had a terrific year as well. Um, poor year. I think Giga Kick just didn't have any luck towards mm -hmm. the back end of the year. Like this was his year where he was going to be awfully hard to beat to go back to back at an Everest. He was a four-year-old, so he would have had a chance to win a Golden Eagle, which is worth $10 million. Um, and then it all went wrong towards the back end of uh, the start of the spring when he when he hurt himself in that race, that controversial race in that ride where Craig Williams was sacked after that. And then he hasn't been able to get over that injury, so he's going to miss the majority of the autumn as well. So mm. he's only going to be probably a Brisbane winter horse. So he's probably had the year to forget in a way, even though that he was pretty good in the first half of the year, it went downhill after that. And you could probably could nearly say Jamie Carr. Yeah, it's coming through pretty strong on yeah. the temper text. So she had that nasty fall at the start of the year. 
and then didn't really hit form until the spring carnival mm. or towards the back end of the spring carnival where she had a, a terrific Flemington carnival. So she ended the year on a high. I think she won her case as well yep. um, when she pleaded not guilty for putting the game into dis, uh, disrepute um, regarding the wide substance saga. So she was able to clear her name there and then... Yeah, and then she had a successful, I think she rode pretty well towards the back end of the year. So it's been an up and down mm. year, but I think she would rather forget this year. Yep, so Giga Kick and Jamie Carr. So yep. who should we be looking out for in but 2024? In that, it could be a great year for Jamie Carr because she's faced a lot of obstacles. Mm. And, and she's faced got Faced a lot of challenges and she's been, been able to face them and um, get out on the better side of all So of those should we challenges. be looking out for her in 2024? I think so. I reckon mm. she'll have a big 2024. Um the other, the who who else should we be looking out for? In Give us a horse. Four? I think Imperatrice will mm. dominate. I think she'll win at Royal Ascot if they go that mm. way. Will she, they go that way? Yeah, I think so. She's the dominant sprinter. Her times were sensational. She's just developing into a bulletproof man. I think she's definitely the the horse that we should be looking out for next year. Mm. Um, yeah, and without a fight, unfortunately, broke down, so we won't see him in the autumn. Um, yeah, but I think you, you can back on Imperatrice. And I think Mr. Brightside, you give him another chance with another campaign. He'll be hard to beat an all-star mile and those type of horses. And he was so close behind Romantic Warrior and a Cox Plate. I think he'll have another solid year as well. Mm. So it's always a big year in racing with stories. We know, yeah. saw even two weeks ago what the Rose Hill story was yes. massive. We're always talking about changing the schedule here in Melbourne around the Spring yeah. Carnival. What what what? will be on the radar next year in terms of big stories in racing if you had to make a prediction. I reckon it will be Jamie Carr. I reckon she'll stand up and be counted for. Um, I reckon that there will be a couple of rising star trainers that will put their hand up as well. We've got Kiramar and David Eustace, Chris Waller, all the big guns. Mm. But I like the way that, say, um, a few of the other trainers are going. Like Calvin and Tony McAvoy have had mm -hmm. a wonderful end to the year with Harry Coffey. They're going to win some nice races, I think, next year. Um, Joe Pride could be in for another big year. Um, so I think there's Sam Friedman and Anthony Friedman. Those type of young trainers coming through the ranks will have big years, hopefully. I think the sport needs those trainers to step up in a way or, or get a nice horse. So hopefully that's uh, that's the case. And we'll need to – Blake Shin and, and James McDonald and Jamie Carr have been the superstars in the jockey ranks, Nashville Weller and the like – I wonder if we're going to see a couple of jockeys, especially Melbourne, step up and challenge those. Who, who could? Um, Jai McNeil had a quiet year, but I think he's changed his manager and he could come back. He won a Melbourne premiership. Um, out of the Melbourne jockey ranks, I don't know. I'd like to see someone like a Daniel Stackhouse get more of an mm. opportunity or a, or a Harry Coffey. Um, I think Damien Lane is a superstar rider. And he, if he stays in Victoria, he'll win the Melbourne Premiership okay. and be Melbourne's best jockey. I mm -hmm. think he's Melbourne's best jockey now, D-Lane, replacing, say, Oliver. I think he was surpassed Oliver anyway. I think B-Shin's there. But I think, think D-Lane's clearly the best mm -hmm. jockey. I reckon he could be the jockey that has the biggest year next year. There we go. That's a good prediction for 2024. Yeah, the Lane train. Damien Lane, yeah. get on the Lane train. Well, there's no doubt you've had a good year. And you'll be one to watch in 2024 as well. That. Yeah, I think Giddy Up's going well. I think... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think it helps. <laughs> no, one, no one said it wasn't. No, I think getting up. I think from like I've got a lot of great people that help me out and a lot of loyal listeners. 
Jared does a great job in helping promote mm-hmm. um, Giddy Up. So, yeah, I'm very lucky. It's a Ooh. lot of fun, Giddy Up. It is fun. Yep. Now you have a good Christmas. Merry Christmas. A good New Year. Jill. What are you doing for Christmas? Nah, just family stuff. Down with Mum in yep. Mornington. You? Oh. Um, I don't know. I'll probably just hang around here, Melbourne. Might go to no, Torquay. No, back up home? No, no. I'll just stay here in Melbourne, I think. Oh, very nice. Well, you enjoy that. Thanks for all your work during the oh, year. Is Tim Gossage on? Tim Gossage on next. How do yeah. you think he'll be? Oh, we just got to fire him up a little bit, I think. Yeah, he said it. it was the greatest sporting day ever that he's witnessed in Perth with Damien Oliver there on Saturday. Don't agree. No, I, I, well, probably I, up there, I haven't wouldn't lived it? in Tim Gossage's shoes. They're big shoes. They're massive in. shoes. I've got but one that's here. That's what he said, so that's a big call. Got one here saying it's a cheek for an East Coaster to criticise the attendance in Perth. In 2023, BBL attendances opt the stadium with 31,000. The MCG had an attendance of 18,000. I agree with all that. I just find it a little bit strange no, that the I, numbers are bigger for BBL no, than Test cricket. I just wanted something on a like, I'm sticking up for Perth. Here. Yeah, good. And you need to make these, and that's a relative, um, that's a text that's well explained. You ever look at the most successful sporting organisations in the country? Perth Wildcats. Scorchers. Yeah. Perth Wildcats, that's, the that's, Red Army. That, they transcend yep. the sport. There's they're no, massive over there. Like, like the, compare that to Melbourne and Sydney. Like, they're the talk of the town, the Perth Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got, like, heroes like Pikey. And even, like, the West Coast Eagles were the worst ever side to watch mm-hmm. this year. I couldn't even watch them. They still had thirty to 40,000 each and every week. No, they're average. great crowds for a lot of their sport. So they're but it just doesn't, sporting fans. doesn't add up to test cricket. That's my point. Because who would want to go and watch Pakistan and the West Indies? If England turned up, they would turn up. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you for defending your former hometown. I think you've got to take that in consideration. No, I think that's all fit. Yeah. Uh, this is mornings for Hyundai. The Hyundai 2023 SUV event is on now. And host plus, that was the former mayor of Perth, Gareth Hall. You name five players that play for Pakistan now. I'll do after break. (laughs)